will happen often with parents is your priorities shift and mm-hmm. you realize what's really important and family was most important to me at that time and getting up at 2 a.m. every day uh, yeah. to do the news was not and trying to, you know, um, have Thanksgiving with family, but yet having to be on assignment somewhere. I just sort of realized, you know, maybe I need to step away from the news life, mm-hmm. although exciting and yeah. got to do wonderful things for many years decided to get out of news and join Krista Spawn, which is a big healthcare system in South Texas, and joined there as, as their media relations news uh, marketing team, which then led me here up to the Irving office, back home to Dallas, mm-hmm. to Krista's Health, uh, which is an international healthcare system. Um, it's got about 45,000 associates international in Mexico and South America and really just had a great, great opportunity to do some great work there, but then got the calling to work for the Diocese of Dallas. Mm -hmm. And that was so meaningful to me and such an honor to, to take on this leadership role um, and to work with our bishops and to work with some incredible people in our ministry's office. Um, and so that's that's sort of my origin story, if yeah, you will. Yeah, kind of uh, very circular. You, yes, you start yes. here and then you get to Florida and Corpus Christi, <laughs> West, West Texas, Odessa. Interesting, because that's where Guadalupe Radio Network is based in Midland. Uh, and so you've really kind of kind of been all around, and now you find yourself back home in uh, North Texas. And that's absolutely right. And and it, so yeah. And and Dave, I've always enjoyed speaking to you. And we've um, Christus Health is the title sponsor for uh, the Bishop's Invitational, which is a, a lovely golf tournament that raises money for Catholic education. And so it's always nice to get an t- opportunity to talk to you every year. We're remote. Mm-hmm. It's either really hot, <laughs> really muggy, but um, or really rainy. Yeah, one year the, the whole thing got washed out, didn't it? Because yes. it was so, yeah, I remember we still did a broadcast, but I don't think anybody was able to golf. Well, no, and that was the year that we were able to take home the big trophy by default, Christus Health. And so that was a, a a nice win. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know that we would ever have a chance of winning that golf tournament, but it is a fun one. Yeah. So uh, talk, talk about the, the position, communication director. It seems like a perfect fit because you've been working in the media and you've got the uh, the degree. And uh, Diane didn't hear it. She went to University of Missouri, which was Diane's dream school. She oh, is that right? She didn't get to go there. But uh, so at least you know somebody that went there. Well, the next time I make a trip to Columbia, Missouri, for I try to go once a year for a little reunion with friends. And uh, we try to relive old times, you should come with us. <laughs> I can't promise um, that that we won't leave tired, exhausted, because we can't pretend like we're 21 anymore. <laughs> but we do have a, a old time um, reminiscing and, and going to our old old places. Yeah, so your job as communication director, uh, pro- probably, you know, twofold. You got to I guess handle the the breaking news when something happens, and of sure. course that's always very unpredictable and this and that, and uh, you know the the news conferences and all that. But then there's kind of the the day to day, week to week things that are happening, and the the, the cyclical things like the opening of school, to, you know, for the new year. And uh, yeah, well, today's St. Patrick's Day when we're recording this, and I, I don't know, you know, just there's always something going on. Oh yes. Uh, so so yeah. tell us about kind of the day to day life of, of uh, director of communications. Well, we're really um, in. We're really passionate about telling stories. I think in communications, people are more apt to remember things if you can put a story behind it. Mm-hmm. So part of our, our strategy is is making sure that we are able to tell good stories. And I always like the parable of the sower 
um, when we talk about our role as communicators. So when we when we hear that parable, we should ask ourselves, what is our role as communicators in that in that story? Is it to toll the good soil, or should we go out and try to communicate to others that maybe be in there? They might be in the rocky areas. So, really, we're just looking for new opportunities to evangelize, and we have so many platforms. I mean, there's just um, think about you know the olden days, right? When our when our apostles had to travel by foot to get mm-hmm. word out. We have such technology. And, um, you know, that's why I appreciate this opportunity to talk to you and, and to be part of Guadalupe Radio with you today, because um, we, it's such a privilege to be able to share the gospel and to think about ways that we can get good stories out the door that involve um, the faithful. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, you know, we find out you know, this way, even with all the the ways to communicate these days with social media and print and, you know, email blasts and, of course, radio, television, it's still hard to tell people what's going on. Maybe for that very reason, because they have so many options. There's so, so much noise. Yeah, right? there's so much noise, mm-hmm. and people they don't know. They only have time. You know, they only have so much time in their day. So, how are you? Uh, you know, of course, we're here doing a radio interview, but how are you getting the word out? What's your strategy and your kind of mo? Um, engaging material. So we want things to look good. And um, we want people on their mobile device to, you know, they're, they're going through and scrolling through their social feeds. What will make them stop and look and think? And it's probably not a graphic. Mm-hmm. It's probably an organic picture, something that really showcases who we are as the Diocese of Dallas. And so we are looking for those engaging images um, and those thought-provoking uh, words that we can tell to others. I think we have a lot of lazy readers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be included in that in that uh, bucket. But, you know, we only have so much time in our day, so how can we get good information out or, or inspire people to pause and reflect, mm-hmm. um, especially during this Lenten season? I, I think no time is more important. And how can we... Um, give people a Linton challenge to think each day about something that they can do that will be meaningful during this season. Yeah. Talk about some of the, the tools in the, you know, the toolbox, so to speak, you've you've got a diocesan newspaper, you got sure. a, got a website, of course you got social media and uh, how are you going to be utilizing all those? And do you oversee all of those uh, as, as director of communications? Sure. So we have a wonderful team that is always really looking for new and dynamic ways to transform ourselves. So I think we have this Catholic growth mindset right now, which is we're not going to say, uh, well, we can't do that because we've never done that before and it's never worked because we tried it once before. We really are having um, a better outlook and a more positive outlook in things. So, for instance, the Texas Catholic, this is the one of the, this is maybe, and our editor in chief, Michael Gresham, he'll probably call me later and tell me I misspoke here, but <laughs> um, it is one of the oldest, I want to say it's the second oldest. Catholic publication in the United States. Oh, really? So there's a lot of brand awareness around Texas Catholic. And, you know, a lot of naysayers are saying print is dead. Mm-hmm. That yeah. people don't want to have a newspaper anymore. So when we hear that, we think, how can we make Texas Catholic a multi-platform 
um, communication tool. Mm-hmm. So if you read an article in Texas Catholic, you should be able to also find it on digital, find it on a website. You should be able to hear it, maybe see it, a video that accompanies it. And so we're looking to launch a podcast um, around Texas Catholic and those stories of hope and healing that come out of those. Because as I mentioned before, when people tell stories, you're 22 times more likely to remember something um, if it there's a story behind it. So we're really working on making all of our communications multi-platform. Yes. What about the, I don't know how many parishes are on the Dallas Diocese, 90 or so, or maybe, maybe more than that, but each one is autonomous in a sense and has its own team and it's likely their own communication director. And so what's the relationship between the, 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 you know, the pastoral center and you and then all these parishes. Well, I'm so glad you asked that because that's something I'm very passionate about doing as the new director of communications, which is to bring us all together and to develop a communication council so that all of us can sort of know what each other is doing. And there might be something that's being done in Lancaster that we Mm -hmm. could do in Capel or vice versa. I mean, there are really talented communication professionals within the Diocese of Dallas. And so I am trying to organize for World Communication Day, which is coming up May 21st. We will do it on May 22nd, which is a Monday. I'm hoping to gather us all together and we can talk strategy. We can talk best practices. We can even have a media panel. So Dave, you mm-hmm. might get an invite yeah. so that we can, we can ask you about what's meaningful and what kind of content you look for here at Guadalupe Radio. So really just sort of come together and you know, we don't know each other very well. And so what is your church doing or what's a ministry in your church that's working very successfully that we can help communicate out? There's no reason to reinvent the wheel if somebody has a great graphic practice or they've got a great social media campaign going. How can we use that in another area um, and continue to kind of light the fire of, of um, what the word that we're trying to get out. Mm-hmm. You used the word engaging uh, earlier, and uh, that's I would probably be the, be the adjective that I would use to describe uh, our, our shepherd, Bishop Burns. Oh, I yes. mean, he is yes, an engaging yes. guy, and I really, really appreciate him. He has been so welcoming and supportive of Catholic Radio, and the guy seems to never have a bad day. He just always just, just seems, you know, so uh, I, I, that must help you as a communication director to have an engaging bishop, and of course, Bishop Kelly as well. Uh, and uh, is that part of the the mission? Is just to, to kind of introduce people to the leadership and get everybody to understand, you know, uh, who, who our bishops are, who our priests are, and get to know each other. I think I think that that you are absolutely correct there. I think what's what has been so meaningful for me is to get getting to know both of our bishops better. Yeah. Um, you, Bishop Burns, is so engaging. He has wonderful ideas. It is our privilege to execute on a lot of the positivity that he throws into our orbits. Um, so having a leader like that is, is so valuable, especially for a PR professional. I, you know, having somebody that you can trust and like to work with is so important. Um, and then I had an opportunity, um, yesterday or maybe it was the day before to do the Stations of the Cross with our auxiliary bishop, Greg Kelly. And this was a a Stations of the Cross that he chose, and Mm -hmm. we filmed it. And so it'll be on our YouTube channel. But um, I was so moved by 
that Stations of the Cross, and I've done many through the years. But this one centered around racism Mm -hmm. and what we can do as we think about the state that our country is in and how we see each other and how we interact with one another and even how complacency can play a role in um, being a racist. And it was uh, just a a lovely um, uh, production to take part in. And so, you know, I, I, I invite your listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're Kath Dow. Um, and we also are on social media, um, Facebook and Instagram, of course, but also to um, go to our website, kathdow.org, which, as you mentioned, we are in sort of a transformation. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm so excited about is our website is going to be transformed I would say in the next three or four months to really be a user-friendly website so mm. that one or two clicks, you can find what you need yeah, or get to another website where you can get what you need. Oh, very nice. Our website right now is a little busy, but I'm, I'm excited about getting it cleaned up and really letting people go there and find, find meaning in, in how we are, are um, evangelizing. Yeah. Talk about the, the outreach to people outside the church. You know, sure. there's uh, somebody who's not at a Catholic church. They may be Protestant, Jewish, Muslim, but their perception of the Catholic church is largely formed by, you know, how we communicate ourselves. So, um, how, how, tell, tell, just talk about that. Well, how, how do you see reaching out to outside the, the, the walls of the church and, and, and communicating the best of what we have to others? Well, there are a couple of things. One is I, I really enjoy taking part in the televised mass, which is on KDFI um, on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock in English, and then it's on Univision um, as well um, in Spanish. I think that's important. And we visit different churches. We have different um, priests. We have different lectors on there. So, and it was started during COVID, right? When we couldn't get into the seats mm-hmm. in our parishes, but it's continued as part of a, a larger initiative as a homebound ministry initiative. But that televised mass, I think I like to hear because I've seen the letters of people saying, I've, drifted away from the Catholic faith, or I am uh, Episcopalian, or I am um, of a different faith, but I find the televised Mass on Sundays to be beautiful, and I Mm. really enjoy watching it. And so that means a lot. And then the homilies that come out out of that, I think the priests that take part in that have beautiful messages and taking pieces of the homily and hearing that people have recorded it on their phones and then posted it on social. Uh, that means a lot to us in, in our work. And then I'll just mention one other thing, Dave, that I had an opportunity to take part in um, a Seder um, earlier this week, an interfaith Seder. And that was meaningful for me to sit at a table with different people of different faiths um, and to talk about the book of Exodus, um, but to also get different takes on on how people view um, religion or how they view faith. And and it also, the Seder also centered around trying to combat um, um, bigotry and celebrate diversity instead. Mm. And so that was a very special and meaningful thing for the Catholic Diocese of Dallas to take part in, that 
just because we're Catholic doesn't mean that we have to close off ourselves to other people. There are ways that we can share. Um, so much of our faith is so similar if you think about the Abrahamic um, mm-hmm. aspect of it. And so, um, you know, I would encourage Catholics, um, you don't have to be in communications, um, but to, to work, um, to make friends and to celebrate diversity. Just you don't have to agree on every little thing, but um, to to celebrate our our differences is, is something that that is very meaningful. And, and I took away from that, that Seder. My guest is Katie Kaiser. She is the new director of communications for the Diocese of Dallas. And uh, as she mentioned, formerly with Christus Health. And I met her through our many broadcasts over at the Bishop's Golf Tournament. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, I want to talk about a few of the, the big uh, things that are happening within the, the diocese. And you had told me before we started that Part of the Eucharistic revival uh, that the USCCB is, uh, you know, carrying on for uh, several years. There's something coming up on Pentecost Sunday, uh, right. a, a big celebration, or what is that going to be? Well, you know, we talked about it yesterday, and, and keep in mind, I'm a part of the ministry's office at the diocese, and and so we're talking about how we can participate in something on Pentecost Sunday, and what we focused on is at the cathedral. Um, how can we break bread after a, a beautiful liturgy um, where we can put meaning behind uh, what the Eucharist um, is for us as Catholics? So mm-hmm. I guess, you know, we we talked about this earlier, Dave. Sometimes we can just sort of go to Mass and just sort of get into the routine. This is when I do this. This is when I do that. But when we think about taking the Eucharist, I think— Part of what I'm wanting to do is kind of explain and and bring more awareness around the fact that that that, that Eucharist is the body of Christ mm-hmm. uh, and that it is truly meaningful. Yeah. And so we're working and more information to come on that celebration as we work with our parishes as well on what we can do to ensure that people are aware that you know, when they take the Eucharist, that it's not just part of a routine, it is truly special. Amen. Yeah. Uh, this diocese continues to grow, doesn't it? Yes, Unlike, yes. you know, you hear up, up north, and uh, Diane's giving me the four-minute mark, so we got to <laughs> wrap this up, but up north, closing parishes, closing schools, it just seems like uh, that's not the case in North Texas. This is a, a growing diocese, and praise God for that. Yes, you know, I think we're, there's a couple of good things about that. One, we're, we're in Dallas, right? We're in Texas. Texas is growing. A lot of people are moving to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've heard the statistic that we are, you know, one of the largest faith groups in, in the DFW area, um, 30%. Um, so I, that's, that's very positive. And I, I like that we're ending on this, yeah. this, this idea that the growth continues and that the support of the diocese continues. I think, we have this spring some ordinations to celebrate. So I, I might come back or, or mention them to you again to see if oh, you want yeah. to celebrate oh, that course. with us. Yeah. I'd like to be there in person, too. Uh, yeah, they're beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, uh, yeah the, the, there will be one at the cathedral, and then there will one, be another one in uh, St. Jude and Allen. And I'm just hopeful that people will come out and support these young men. And um, 
and, and it is a beautiful liturgy mm-hmm. as well. As you talk, you know, you, you mentioned you got, you got, you know, a son, a family, and it just seems like there's so much. I'll just close out. How do you preserve the work-life balance personally <laughs> so that you, you know, because there's always something going on, yes. right? There's always some place you can be, but at the same time, you know, you, you, you got, you have your personal life. Do, uh, do you find yes. that challenging? Yes, I do. I, I cannot lie. Um, but I'm really blessed with a very strong family here in mm-hmm. Dallas that, that is very supportive. For instance, it's spring break for my son. He's hanging out with grandma. Who knows what kind of trouble they're getting in together <laughs> right now. Uh, she, she has a hard time telling that child no. So, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm very lucky, Dave, to love what I do and feel like that is just an extension of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, and and I, I just, I thank you and, and Monica and others that, that enable me to work around such lovely people. Yeah, yeah. Well, good way to close it out. And uh, congratulations on the new position. Oh, thanks, uh, just Dave. ask all of our listeners to please, please pray for Katie Kaiser because it's a, it's a fun job, but it's also a very challenging job. And there's a, a lot of a lot of you know plates in the air, or you know you're spinning a lot of balls at the same time. So, uh, communication director of communications, uh, diocese of Dallas. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, do you want to give any contact information? Sure. If they got a hot lead or some something oh, that's going absolutely. on, absolutely. Yeah, should, please share us with stories. Communications at cathdal.org is an email. It's checked by me and a couple of other people um, in the office, and so always looking for that. Or um, you can follow us on on any of our social media and direct message me, please. I, it's a privilege to be here with you today. All right, thank you so much. And uh, Diane's not going to let you forget that offer to take her up to uh, University of you Missouri. Do. You would like uh, to. Good. <laughs> we would have so much fun. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, uh, Katie Kaiser, Diane Xavier. Thanks everybody for listening. If you have uh, any future suggestions, suggestions for future interviews, you can email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. This has been the interview of the week here on the. Guadalupe Radio Network uh, with our guest Katie Kaiser. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend. St. Mark the Evangelist Catholic Church in Plano has teamed up with the Catholic Charities Dallas Mobile Food Bank to offer food for those in need every first Saturday of the month. Items being distributed include perishable food items from the North Texas Food Bank, such as fruit, vegetables, and other food items. The next visit is on Saturday, April 1st from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at the Smith Pastoral Center parking lot at the parish. Food recipients will remain in their cars and their food will be placed in their trunks. The Guadalupe Radio Network thanks Little Elm Eye Care for their support of local Catholic radio. Little Elm Eye Care is owned by Drs. Burt and Leslie Bubella, parishioners of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Frisco. They specialize in family vision care, comprehensive eye exams, contact lenses, and the treatment of eye diseases and injuries. Little Elm Eye Care is located at 1200 East El Dorado Parkway, Suite 100, across from the Little Elm Athletic Complex. They can be reached by calling 972-2920-900 or on the web at littleelmeyecare.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are in North Texas. My name is Dave Palmer. Diane Xavier is running our board. And as you know, this is an eclectic program. We talk about a lot of things, but uh, we prefer it to be local and Catholic. Okay, if it fits those two, uh, uh, then it's, it's, it's really appropriate for this show. And this is certainly a local Catholic interview as I am going to introduce you to the president and CEO of Christo Ray Fort Worth, located over 
at Alta Mesa Boulevard in Fort Worth. Uh, website, org. His name is uh, Nathan Knuth, and he's been in that position since March of 2020. And as you know, that was an interesting month uh, to start a new job. I do real quickly want to thank Maggie Harrison. She's a president of Casada Catholic High School, and she's the one that introduced me uh, to Mr. Knuth. And so I'm sure she's listening. So, Maggie, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for all the great work that you're doing at Casada High School as well. So, uh, Nathan Knuth, welcome. Good to, good to meet you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I asked you before we started a, a little bit about yourself, and I kind of expected, uh, you know, hey, I, I taught in a high school, and then you know, and then I got the position. But uh, that'd be great in and of itself. But boy, you have quite a background—a lot of international living and different works in corporate uh, America and philosophy, and uh, you know, studying in Rome. So tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. It's quite a background. Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, kind of a. A weird, maybe, or not not so normal background for a school administrator, right? But I think education's always been a, a passion of mine, Catholic education. Um, and I started, you know, out of high school with a couple years abroad in Mexico and learned Spanish, so became bilingual when I was 17. Um, that's proven to be very helpful quality and, uh, and bet, talent yeah. going forward, right? Yeah. Um, and so I guess my career started really kind of in education, did, did some... Um, uh, studies, graduate studies in Rome, Pontifical University, uh, Regina Postolorum, got a licentiate in philosophy, um, and then went back to Mexico actually after that and studied an MBA in Mexico City at the Anahuac University, Catholic University down in Mexico City. And while I was there, I started working in Catholic education um, in Mexico. And so I, my first job there was at the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and Family Studies, uh, where I was executive director at the kind of Mexico City campus. And we managed uh, an undergraduate program there for family sciences and then a couple graduate programs. And um, when they were short on philosophy teachers, I would fill in as graduate philosophy professor as well a Mm. few times. So that was fun. Um, From there, I moved into some Catholic schools uh, as a vice principal at a Catholic school for a couple years at a pre-K through 12 all-boys Catholic school. Um, And then after that, moved on to headmaster and head principal at another Catholic school that was at the time kind of a pre-K through sixth grade, and then we opened up the uh, middle school and made it K, you know, pre-K through eight. Um, after that, uh, we actually moved up to North Texas. Uh, in the meantime, I had met my wife down in Mexico. We got married, uh, had a daughter, um, and continued to live there in Mexico, and then eventually we took a job up here in the North Texas area um, in a manufacturing company, and that kind of brought me from education into kind of corporate America. And I was mostly in HR leadership roles um, and some sales roles and spent about five years at the glass company and then moved into a large consulting company, did some HR consulting where different clients needed help with someone uh, bilingual uh, to help with some different HR issues that they were working through. And then after that, I transitioned into a software company that did uh, HR work as well, what's called a SaaS company, software as a service. Um, up in the Frisco area and was their HR business partner and site lead for the Dallas office. And so was there for a couple of years and then kind of had this itch. And my wife was like, you know, you probably should get back into education. I think that's really mm-hmm. where you, where you yeah. like to work and live. Right. And so, uh, at the time the opening for the Christ Ray Fort Worth president CEO position was open. And so she came upon that, um, online and sent it along, looked at it 
and uh, became very passionate, excited about the opportunity. Went through the process and ended up with the job. And yeah. so, you well, mentioned that, starting right at the beginning of the pandemic. So that was kind of a, a nice adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said I, I think uh, March sixteenth uh, was your first day, and that was right around the time everything just went nuts. And yes. You're starting a new job at something that's very community-based. And so I, I can only imagine the first couple of years of your job have been uh, challenging, to say, to, to, to say the least. Uh, so Crystal Ray uh, is a really interesting concept school. Uh, and for those who don't know what is unique and different about Crystal Ray, not just in Fort Worth, but it is a network of, I guess, about almost 40 high schools around the country. What is Crystal Ray? Or what is a Crystal Ray high school? Yeah, so Cristo Ray started uh, back in 1996 in South Chicago in the Pilsen neighborhood. And uh, there was a group of Jesuit uh, priests that were asked by the Cardinal to begin a new Catholic high school, uh, specifically targeting kind of the Hispanic population in South Chicago and uh, trying to come up with additional Catholic education offerings um, and meeting the need, right? And so they sat around the room and were like, how do we, how do we start uh, a new Catholic like college prep school that typically, you know, the prices are pretty high usually for a private prep school. And how do we do this with a Hispanic population that's in this area in South Chicago that was primarily lower income families. And so how do we, how do we make this available and accessible to them? And one of the, one of the founding members on the team said, well, what if we uh, had the students work at local companies and they were able to earn like a wage and then that could pay part of the cost of their tuition. Mm. I think great idea. Of, yeah, great idea. But I think most of the people looked at yeah. looked at them, uh, that person and said, "I think you're crazy." But to their surprise, they went around and said, "Well, no." I'm, he said, "I'm serious. Let's let's look into this." So they sent uh, a group and they did some canvassing along uh, around the local business community, and to their surprise, found all these companies that were all excited about being all in and saying, "Yes, we would we would support that." And so that's how the first school started. They rented an old uh, roller skate rink. And uh, and started the school, and so that's kind of the way the, the the model started. And you know, the concept was you have students working one day a week at local companies, earning about half the cost of their tuition, and then their parents pay something, so they do have a family contribution. So it's a small contribution, which ends up being somewhere between five and ten percent of the cost mm. of, of the tuition. And then the rest of the gap is funded by philanthropy and fundraising, right, in the local community. So that's how the first school started up in Chicago. And then, you know, it's a long story, but, you know, years went by and eventually um, there was openness to letting this model be replicated around the country. And so um, they ended up starting a national office up in mm -hmm. Chicago. And then that office, you know, we, we don't like to refer to it as a franchise, but that's in a business model yeah. kind of mindset, that's maybe the easiest way to understand it. It mm -hmm. became kind of like a franchise model. Um, and so each each individual school that wanted to start uh, was each individually owned and operated, but could kind of replicate the same model with the best practices that had been started. And so that's where the network began. Uh, we now refer to it as the Creasery Network. You can find that online, creasorynetwork.org. Um, there's lots of great information on the site. And now we have 38 schools operating around the country. Uh, soon to be opening number 39 in Orange County this summer. And then we're working on uh, Seattle and Orlando are are in their feasibility studies and working on becoming new Crease Ray schools in the next couple of years. So mm. quickly growing to over 40 schools. Um, you know, there's over 24,000 alumni now, over 12,000 students enrolled at all of our schools right now uh, in ninth through 12th grades. And so it's just been a great model, right? And I think 
for Catholic listeners, I think it's it's quite amazing because I think this is kind of cutting edge Catholic social teaching built into a school model that actually has amazing impact. You know, we're working to break down kind of generational cycles of poverty, one family at a time. Uh, we're working to break down, you know, perhaps racial inequities and social injustices and other things that happen that kind of our typical systems have not been able to fix. And so I think this model really gets at the heart of that and really helps uh, young students, most of them persons of color, to have access to a high-quality college preparatory curriculum, help them get into college and then through college, to and through college. Um, And most of them, 90-plus percent of them, are first-generation college-goers, right? So their Mm -hmm. parents have not had that experience or that opportunity. And so the navigation of all of the resources and processes to get in is very difficult, right? So that's what we kind of handhold and help them through that whole process. And at the same time, they're they're earning this uh, half of their tuition through their corporate work-study experience and partnering with local companies. And so they're building up real-world job experience their entire four years of high school, which is amazing, right? So you get a kid who's about to go into college and on their resume already has four years yeah. of work experience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so brilliant in so many levels, like you explained, because uh, it's one thing to study and it's one thing to have book knowledge, but to have that one day a week in the environment of, of working, uh, I just, that, that is so awesome. Plus you're getting half your tuition paid for uh, by, by, you know, just uh, who, whoever that guy was at that meeting in Chicago yeah. back in, you know, the 90s, that, uh, that, that, that's it. That's really yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, as many Catholic high schools around, you know, around the country in different dioceses, unfortunately, many times are ending up closing because mm-hmm. of lack of enrollment or financial issues. I think this is really kind of a very interesting, innovative model that instead of closing is really kind of growing and opening up new schools because there's this real need in urban America for having uh, better options uh, for education. And it's an option that works and it's an option that gives kids a chance at a brighter future and really makes it happen. Um, and so you, and I think it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful because you bring together in the community, uh, you know, business corporate leaders, you bring together faith leaders, you bring together parents, you bring together other nonprofits and other partner organizations in a given community, and you're all working together mm. for the same goal of helping these young people have a better future. And is this a, a diocesan school like Nolan, Woodby, or Casada? What, what is, how does yeah, it so, designated? So each school, each Christian race school has what we call a religious endorser or a religious sponsor. Um, and so technically, Christian Ray Fort Worth is not a diocesan school, but the Diocese of Fort Worth and Bishop Olson um, do function as our religious endorsers, so they're very supportive of the school. And obviously, you have to have a local bishop's permission to start a Christory school wherever, right? And so we have three campuses in Texas right now. So the first campus that started in Texas was down in Houston. I think they started in 2009, and they're sponsored by the Jesuits. And then you have the Dallas campus uh, just down the road that was uh, started in 2015. They have the School Sisters of Notre Dame as their religious sponsor. Um, and then we have the Diocese of Fort Worth as our religious endorser. Okay, so <clears throat> you know you, you mentioned Mar- March 2020. I'm sure those uh, couple years were very challenging. Now we're pretty much on the other side of the pandemic, and things have kind of gotten back to normal. Where do you stand as far as uh, the number of students, the the number of businesses that are cooperating, the fundraising? You know, what are the needs right now? Yeah, so. I think right now it's exciting because, yeah, the pandemic was hard for, for everybody, right? Um, and especially, um, you know, a lot of nonprofits got hit pretty hard mm-hmm. uh, by the pandemic. And so, but at the same time, I think a lot of people did come together and and uh, really help 
um, you know, worthy projects and, and good models continue despite the difficulties. And I think that was our story. So we're able to stay afloat and keep going throughout the pandemic. And I think we're coming out as a model and as a uh, kind of a community effort stronger than before. But it does kind of force us to kind of do a little bit of a restart, right? Because uh, a lot of the community building and fundraising building and, and whatnot was limited during the pandemic, no doubt, right? So right now we started this school year, uh, just a little over 200 students um, on our path towards about 400 or so is kind of our goal at full enrollment. Uh, we accept students in ninth grade and then 10th grade transfers uh, because of the kind of demanding nature of our model and our program and the work experience. There's some training that goes into the first summer when kids come, about a three-week-long program that we call GRIT Academy. And uh, that's important, so that's why we don't have uh, junior and senior transfers, because you got to get used to the model mm-hmm. and used to the work experience. And we feel that the best value is obtained when you get the kids in um, as 14-year-olds when they're just starting ninth grade or 10th grade transfers, right? So there's a need to grow the school with students, so we're really pushing hard uh, on all cylinders to find new students. Um, we do have what we call income eligibility guidelines, so it is very laser-focused on families with lower economic means. And so we have charts based on federal poverty guidelines and different formulas and whatnot that show us exactly, you know, kind of the income levels that we can accept. Um, Bottom line is if a family's making too much money, we're sending them to Nolan uh, or to some other Catholic high school option because they're above our kind of income Mm -hmm. eligibility, right? But the, but the families that qualify, we're really trying to work with them to, to give them the opportunity. Um, And so we're looking to grow students uh, we have a, a lofty goal of getting at least 100 new students this year for ninth grade, and so we're working hard on that. Uh, so if you live in Tarrant County and you're, you know, more or less within the vicinity of South Fort Worth, uh, look us up online. We'd be more than happy to give you a tour, uh, talk to the parents, talk to families, uh, show you around, and explain more about the model and see if it might be a good fit for your children. Um, on the fundraising side, I'd say we're, we're also looking, we're always looking for new supporters and donors. Mm -hmm. We're very grateful to all of the wonderful people around North Texas, Tarrant County and Dallas County and everywhere that, that support us. Um, if, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be in existence today. Uh, so we have to raise, uh, about $4 million this year. Uh, we're about halfway there. So we're still working hard on, on reaching those goals. Um, and so anyone interested in supporting financially, uh, we'd love to, you know, set up a t- campus tour if you want to come and check it out. Uh, if you want to talk to somebody on our advancement team, I'd uh, love to do that. Um, and then on the company side, I'd say we have about 60, 60 plus partners and agencies uh, that are helping us uh, on the corporate work study uh, side of the program. And we're very pleased with the amount of companies. We have some folks here in Las Colinas as well, companies that have signed on. So the students will travel from Fort Worth? Yeah, so we offer the transportation services uh, to get the kids from our campus to the site of, to the work site, and then bring them back at the end of the workday. Nathan Knuth is my guest, President, CEO of Cristo Ray Fort Worth, their website, Cristo Ray FW.org, C-R-I-S-T-O-R-E-Y-F-W.org. Dot org. That means uh, Crystal Ray, like Christ the King, right? Christ the King in <laughs> Spanish, you got uh, it. CrystalRayFW.org, uh, talking about the, uh, the relatively new uh, Crystal Ray High School in Fort Worth, and you can visit that website and find out more. Uh, talk about Catholic identity. Are there religion classes? I'm sure you, know, you don't have to be Catholic to, to be a student there, but is that something that uh, is um, one of the hallmarks of Crystal Ray, is the, the theological training? Yeah, absolutely. So Catholic identity is, is one of our, our big um, standards. In fact, we have 
standards of what we call standards of mission effectiveness, and that's number one is Catholic identity. So that's a big deal for us. And so I think Catholic identity, uh, the way we interpret that for towards students is that we're open to students of all faith traditions or no faith traditions, because it's really meant, I think, to be kind of the the cutting edge of evangelization from 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 that viewpoint, right? Like we're really offering uh, a sound faith based Catholic education. Uh, to young people, regardless of their backgrounds, right? Uh, but that Catholic identity, you know, in the inner workings and the day-to-day operation is very important, right? And I think part of that is celebrating our faith. And so we have the, the opportunity for sacraments, right? So we have actually uh, a weekly mass on Fridays and all school mass um, and various diocesan priests from Fort Worth come and help us out, celebrate those masses every week. Uh, we offer confession, sacrament reconciliation for those that want to receive con- uh, the sacrament. And then we have started other uh, campus ministry programs with Eucharistic adoration and faith formation for parents, um, youth ministry nights, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And and the students do have a built-in theology course as part of their requirement for academics. And so they have um, a theology course all four years of their high school um, as one of their classes, right? As far as the, the work program, if a student says, you know, I'm, I really think one day I'm going to be in banking or I think I'm going to be in real estate or I'm going to be in accounting. Can they kind of choose the type of business they get into or is it more like, well, this is what we have available and this is where you're going? How, how much, you know, uh, yeah, talk, it's talk kind of that. an interesting, uh, yeah, like the matchmaking is kind yeah. of an interesting uh, thing that happens behind the scenes. I'd say it's a little bit of both ends of the way you ask that question, right? So when I would say the, the students are freshmen, we're just getting to know them. They're new, and they they come into this, I would say, with the willingness to kind of go wherever they're sent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what we ask them to be prepared for, right? Like, you don't really get to choose where you're going when you first come, right? But as the student goes through the program, and they start having exposure to different industries, different sectors, different types of work, and all of this is, you know, it's typically called white-collar type work, administrative, entry-level type work at the different companies and agencies and nonprofits where we work. So as the kids are developing their work skills, their soft skills, hard skills on the job, they oftentimes start to say, hey, you know, I really like uh, the healthcare industry. I'd really like to do that, but I'm working at an architectural firm right now. Is there any chance mm-hmm. I could work at a hospital? And so our team, uh, you know, as they're maybe a sophomore or junior, we'll try to see if we can get them accommodated at one of our healthcare partners. And so try to give them that experience, right? We've had other folks that say, I want to be an engineer. So we put them at an engineering firm. Mm -hmm. And then that experience and exposure with engineers has actually helped the student realize they didn't want to be an engineer, right? I have one student that I remember, she said that she wanted to be an engineer uh, since like sixth grade. And we said, well, why do you want to be an engineer? She said, well, because somebody told me I'm good at math and science, so I should just be an engineer. Mm -hmm. So she worked at this engineering firm her freshman year. And after, you know, rubbing shoulders with or elbows with uh, engineers all year, it's like, no, I actually don't think I want to be an engineer. <laughs> Nothing against engineers, yeah, right? If I better find out then, then but you know, she when found you're out at that yeah. at that company, you know, that she really what she was passionate about was marketing, and yeah. she realized that this engineering firm also had a marketing department. Yeah, and so she really started learning about that and kind of just more general business administration type roles, and she became passionate about that. Now she's a freshman at college studying business administration with a major in marketing. Yeah. And so, you know, she found that through through that exposure. And and like you said, it's great to make that decision or that uh, come to that realization when oh, you're 14 yeah. or 15 yeah. versus when you're 22, you know, it's too That's late. right, yeah. When you have a, you know, rent or something that more responsibilities. Um, 
extracurriculars. Do you have a football team and a baseball team or any chess club or that kind of stuff? Yeah, so we do have extracurriculars. We do not have a football team, uh, and I don't know if we'll, we'll have one in the future. Uh, we have a lot of soccer players. So we have a boys' soccer team and a girls' soccer team. The boys' team actually made it to the playoffs in the league that we play in this year, so that was a, that was a big deal. We have boys' and girls' basketball. We have girls' volleyball. We have cross-country. Um, and uh, we have started a robotics club. Mm. Um, there's actually a philosophy club that they meet <laughs> on Fridays. Cool. Um, and there's been like a cooking club. And, you know, there's a lot of after-school kind of club activities that are student-driven, and so sometimes... Uh, the nature of which clubs are available are based on what students want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finding like a staff member who can be a sponsor and, and help them facilitate that. I was trying to really work on letting the students be more involved in kind of the, uh, you know, the, the operations, the direction of the school and having student leadership, student council, and getting the students engaged um, in leading their younger peers and helping them, you know, kind of through the process too. So that's important, giving the, the kids that empowerment. Yeah. There's so many, you know, moving parts. How exciting. It must be, I mean, you know, you're, you're so fit for the job with all your background and everything that you did in corporate America and education and international and, you know, bilingual, being bilingual and everything. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you've got, got a lot going on. There's a lot, a lot of plates in the air, aren't there? Yeah, there are always lots of pots on the fire. I mean, you, you know, you're constantly, uh, you know, we, we talk about the school. If you look at the school as a business model, you basically have three sales funnels where most companies maybe just have one. We yeah. have three. So we're constantly looking to sell the school to new students. So that's one funnel, very important. And then you have uh, the corporate work study partners. You're constantly selling, uh, you know, mm-hmm. job. we call selling jobs to new job partners that want to partner with the school. And then you're also fundraising. So you have those three funnels um, and uh, just lots of community engagement, lots of things going on, lots of events. Uh, trying to just always help build up the schools, um, you know, here in North Texas and across the country, because the work that's being done is is so impactful and so needed, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's, it's it's awesome, and uh, I really appreciate you being here. And I just want to direct all the listeners um, to go to the website christorayfw.org, and you can find out more information. It's a beautiful website. I visited it uh, earlier today. Uh, Crystal Ray Fort Worth. We've been speaking to Nathan Knuth. He's the president and CEO. They're located at twenty six thirty three Alta Mesa Boulevard, Fort Worth seven. 7- Six one three three. Just have about a minute remaining. If somebody wants to get a tour or just come and check out the campus or bring their you know kid for a shadow day, um, what, what should they do? Yeah, you can go to the website. That's probably the easiest. Uh, and and there's like an info uh, email. You can email us if you want. Um, you can call the school. The numbers there on on the uh, website as well. It's eight one seven seven two zero three zero two three. Um, and you can, um, you know, you can check out, check us out on the website. Come on. We have, uh, typically lunch and learn scheduled a couple times a month, uh, for community partners or prospects that want to come in and learn more about the model, learn about the school, get a tour, uh, meet some of our amazing students. Um, you know, that's, that's the most amazing thing is the students, right? Last year, the first graduating class walked across the stage, got their diplomas, a hundred percent college acceptance. 90% of those graduating seniors from our first class were enrolled in college as of October oh, that's of awesome. 2022. So that's amazing. Yeah. And lots of full ride scholarships out there that these kids achieved. They raised over $8.3 million in scholarships at the schools that accepted them. So just tremendous success from the kids themselves. So. Yeah, all right. Well, Diane's giving me the one-minute mark, so we got to wrap this up. But uh, thanks for the visit. Great to meet you. Nathan Knuth, President and CEO, Crystal Ray Fort Worth. Uh, again, website, Crystal Ray 
fw.org, C-R-I-S-T-O-R-E-Y-F-W.org, located over on uh, Alta Mesa Boulevard in Fort Worth. Check them out, get a tour, consider uh, helping them. they got to raise those, what, $4 million this year and then uh, get a couple hundred more students uh, to get up to that 400. So help them out if this sounds like a good fit for you, especially if you are living in Tarrant County. Thanks for the, the visit. Great to talk to you and meet you. Diane, thank you for running the board. And thanks, everybody, for listening. If you have suggestions for future... Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 